Welcome back to the Cinema Condition with your host, filmmaker and creator of the Nerdcore Podcast Network, Raul Alejandro Mendoza, or just how I like y'all to call me, the Nerd Chicano. And as always, we are here for another movie with another guest, and today we have a new one. Yeah, no, no more returning guests. Yeah, last week we had a pretty good conversation with Brad, my uh, co-host over at the Nerdcore Podcast on Isao Takahata's 1988 film, Grave of the Fireflies. And I want to thank you all so much for, uh, for your support on that one. And it was an interesting conversation. But today we are joined by First Cut's own Robert Butler III, the host of the Meaning Up podcast, one of the creators of the First Cut YouTube channel. He does a lot of stuff, even a director. And one of the many people who I enjoy watching on YouTube and listening to podcasts. Robert, RB3, go ahead and um, introduce yourself to the people who don't know you, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me uh, again, Raul. We've, we've done a couple shows together before, and you're obviously a huge supporter of First Cut, and I'm a huge supporter of you and uh, Nary Corp and everything you guys are doing. So thank you so much for having me back, and I'm excited to talk uh, about, about another movie with you today. Yeah, man. Uh, we RB3 chose Spike Lee's School Days from 1988, and same year as Grave of the Fireflies. By the way, uh, that was uh, that was interesting. I was like, oh, two 88 films back to back. Yeah, but uh, RB3 does a lot of cool stuff. On he's the host of the Meaning Up podcast, the podcast you know that basically talks about directors and the deeper meaning in their films. Mm-hmm. He also does a nice little live stream with uh, Sabrina Ramirez and Andres Cabrera. Over at First mm. Cut, it's live every other every other Thursday. It's great live stream. I enjoy it a lot. Um, All right, thank you, thank you, appreciate it, thank you. Yeah, and you and you and you created some some short films, correct? Uh, yeah, I've done a couple. I've done a few short films on my YouTube channel. Um, the most recent one that's like publicly released is uh, Flick Ticks with Ken Napsok, mm-hmm. um, that I directed and. Uh, wrote with my buddy Kate Hughesby, and we also have a short film called Timestamp that's about yes. to come out soon as well. We did a crowdfunding campaign for it, and we're just finishing up post production on that right now. Yeah, proud supporter of that man. I gave some, I put some money down on it, even though I wish it would have been a little bit more that I could give. But you know, we did. Oh uh, man, thank you. I just I appreciate any support, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Of course, you, you know, you know, I, I've got your back in whatever you're doing out here, man. I I really enjoy the work that you do. I'm surprised you want to come back, and honestly, it's a, it's an honor to have you back. He was on the Impaired Files. I do not ask me which number because I don't remember, but I yeah I, I interviewed RB3 before the pandemic at a uh, he was at his a Schmodown taping, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we we made it happen even if it was in the taping or somewhere else, man. And now we're here, cozy at our homes, and we're gonna do this episode on Spike Lee's uh, School Days. Yeah, no, I am. This is one of my favorite um, Spike Lee movies, and obviously Spike Lee is one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Mm-hmm. And I figured, you know, might as well. Um, he, there's been like, you know, he has like a small collection of, of movies on Netflix, you know, um, recently that you know have been really interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. And School Days kind of uh, is a good place to start if you aren't too familiar with his filmography, but. Mm-hmm want to get kind of a taste of why people love him as a filmmaker and why people may not love him as a filmmaker. Yeah. And what a, what, what a, be, uh, what a great filmmaker to choose, man, because the five bloods will be coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Another Netflix film, um, which is dope. I super looking forward to that. I will be reviewing, 
um, the Five Bloods on Geeks of Color uh, website really yep. soon. Um, I'll be probably rece- receiving a screener for that um, and everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm, this is one of my favorite filmmakers, and I, and at least the trailer for The Five Bloods looks amazing. Yeah, man. So uh, before we start here, I, I wanted to ask, like, how, uh, how quarantine has been treating you, man? Uh, quarantine's been good, man. I just it just gives me an opportunity to work on a lot of different projects. Um, you know, kind of catch up on things I've been behind on for a long time, and really just focus on uh, creating and focus on, you know, working on my YouTube channel, working on short films, working on projects. And even though it sucks not being like employed fully like I was before. Um, I still just enjoy being able to explore the creative realms around me. So it's dope. Yeah, man. I was I was telling you off air that, you know, I'm not employed either. And it's really hard not having to go to work. And But at least we're keeping ourselves, uh, you know, busy somehow, right? You know, whatever you're doing over there on, on First Cut or you're, if you're working on, you know, scripts or stuff, I'm glad that you're keeping yourself busy. Thank you. Thank you. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. And I and I thank you for all the support you show us over here, man. I'm not sure if you listen to the shows or anything, but I'm really uh you know, I'm really thankful for the support that you give us here at the Nerdcore. Oh no, I do I you know, I, I check in every now and then. I appreciate everything you guys are doing. It's like, you know, well, I always appreciate like a dynamic, uh outspoken voice um in, in this movie space and that's definitely what you guys are doing. God, man. Thank you so much for that, everything. Um I, I want to get you on the main show soon, and uh, that'll be that'll be uh, down the line. But right now, uh, I, I can't wait for us to start our conversation here on Spike Lee's School Days. So as those of you who, who may not know Mr. Spike Lee, you know, we haven't really introduced him in this, in this podcast yet because nobody has chosen Spike Lee yet. So we have to go ahead and go through here and introduce you all to the filmmaker known, known as Spike Lee. So Spike Lee was born in March 20th, 1957. He's a director, he's a producer, he's a writer, he's an actor. And for those of you who may not know, he's a tenure professor over at NYU. And mm-hmm. one of the universities I was actually thinking of going to. And I was thinking about going to do a master's there after I'm done here. But yeah, no, it's a little bit too expensive to go there. He's he's uh, responsible for many films, some of the biggest films you'll ever, you know, hear about do the right thing in 1989 uh jungle fever in 91 malcolm x in 92 uh inside man in 2006 chirac in 2015 and then of course 2018's uh i can't remember if it was oscar nominated for best picture i I think it was uh black Klansman. yes it was Mm -hmm. yeah you know but his his directorial debut was she's gotta have it in 86 i've never seen she's gotta have it but this was his second film in '88, and uh, RB3. I want to know why. Why would you? Why would you pick uh, Spike Lee's School Days? Well, uh, you know, Spike Lee's School Days, like you said, came out in 1988. It's about 32 years old right now, um, and it's funny because even though I think this movie came out 32 years ago, it's still incredibly relevant today. Um, it addresses a lot of themes of, you know, social consciousness, mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, being set in a, you know, uh, historically uh, black college, uh, mm-hmm. HBCU, it as a perspective to that experience that is authentic, is nuanced, 
um, is not necessarily that's not necessarily positive or negative. Um, some people might even say it goes a little it's a little too critical. Um, but it's definitely has something to say. It has a lot to say and it does it very effectively. Um, so I, I've always found this film fascinating and like much of Spike Lee's filmography, it has a lot of highs and it has a couple of lows, but I think even the lows are wor- worthy of appreciation too. So, yeah, I, I, and you know, I, I told you this is really a review show and I, uh, this is more of a, you know, a nuanced conversation into the, into the meaning of what the film is trying to say and what the themes are. But I will say, I, I only I only possibly have like one complaint about this film. I think this movie is like near perfect. I, I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's incredible. It's probably one of his best uh, films. You know, a lot of his films seem to touch on a lot of these political um, uh, what's it called um, uh, p- political concepts. You know, it's also you know race relations, colorism in the black community. There's yeah. uh, you know the media and the contemporary life, urban crime, and, uh, and poverty, and all these issues that. Uh, Seem to be constant in, in in the world that we live in, and mm. and this film is is not shy of that at all. You know, this is a, to me. I think Spike is really holding the mirror up to to the world, and it's like you know, this is this seems to be the issues in my community, and it's like I wish that we could we could uh, get past this and like like yeah. like that that incredible ending with them just screaming out, "Wake up!" You know, this is really it's kind mm. of Spike just holding that mirror up. Right, right. Which is, uh, it's a good connection because, and he ends this film with Lawrence Fishburne and all the characters screaming, wake up, or yelling, wake up, uh, or particularly Lawrence Fishburne. But then that's the last line of this movie. And then the first line of his next film, Do the Right Thing, mm-hmm. is Samuel Jackson telling the audience to wake up. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really interesting dichotomy that they kind of incorporate there. Yeah, Where? man, it's 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 awesome. It's it's very interesting. I I was like, God, this is this that that whole ending was giving me chills. Yeah, no, and you know, I uh, I love the I love I love the ending itself. I think what most people probably, I think the overwhelming criticism I've heard of the film um, is that you know it does just kind of it, it ends almost kind of abruptly um, to some extent. Um, where it's like, you know, it, it, there's like a major thing that happens towards like the end of the film. And then instead of really addressing it, it just kind of goes into the wake up montage, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Uh, I think to me, it shows that it, you know, to me, it shows that it's, 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 it's uh, issues are a little more complicated. There's not always a clean, perfect ending. It's always, mm-hmm. um, still what our experiences are meant to accomplish are, is to gain an uh, individual perspective and to um, have a perspective, uh, uh, you know, um, from our experiences in school and, uh, you know, and issues of the black community. So, yeah. So the film takes place at a predominantly black college and there seems to be a, what's it called? It stars. What's it called? Um, what's his name? Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, John Carlos Posito and uh, Spike Lee is even in this film. And yeah. it's basically the um, it's basically showing you the amount of, you know, the basically uh, a black colleges sort of divide inside of the community in there. You know, you have the frat and, and sorority who, you know, they, they think a certain way. And then you have the more revolutionary black students who are thinking a certain way. 
And there seems to be a lot of, uh, what's it called, a social mobility at work. And there's a lot of stuff, you know, about classism, colorism, uh, even even the the whole hair bias. That was a really interesting thing that was uh, that was brought up. Yeah. And, you know, that, you know, I think the whole hair bias thing was a big part of the uh, the musical sequence mm-hmm. um, between mm-hmm. the two groups of, of, of women um, the wannabes and the jigaboos, I think that's how they're categorized. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, I think, I think it would have been really easy for Spike Lee to put all of the light-skinned, more of the light, fair-skinned, lighter-skinned, uh, complected people on uh, the wannabe side and the darker-skinned people on the jigaboo side. But they, they, he, he, he mixed it up a little bit to show you that it's not just an issue of just color. It's about uh, an overall institution that kind of uh, implies this hair bias and who's willing to subscribe to that or not. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I think to me, that's just an antithesis of what like the entire film's about. It's about the institution. It's about the system mm-hmm. and how the system even and even uh, how racial and institutionalized um, segregation has kind of put um, black people in this place where we end up being divided on issues uh, amongst ourselves, where you have one side of the coin arguing for um, a more, you have one side of the coin or uh, arguing for, um, you know, more naturalistic care, um, you know, an outcry for uh, colorism, um, for understanding of colorism, mm-hmm. um, you know, just amongst the female group and in, in the male group, you know, there's uh, other dividing issues like div- dividing issues of masculinity, mm-hmm. patriarchy, and and honestly, I probably would attribute this entire the overarching theme of the entire movie to um, patriarchy and, and and how uh, the patriarchy and class and racial insti- and institutionalized racism mm-hmm. all play parts into the divisions uh, and the misunderstandings between black culture, yeah. but. I think that's honestly kind of cool, and I appreciate Spike Lee for um, actually creating a film that gives a size that gives arguments for both sides of the coin, um, and makes sure that it creates a more nuanced and a little more complex understanding of of, of of a lot of these issues, and understanding that not all black people are monoliths, and not all black people believe the same thing, and that. You know, we have to do it for our own issues inside of our own race, um, as well as the issues of the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I want to hit one of the first themes in this film. It's uh, the colorism aspect in here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I watch this film and, of course, I'm, I, I, I can never really truly understand what's going on here to, you know, to a deeper extent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Latino and I'm not I'm not black. You know, I can't really understand everything that's being told here. But, you know, colorism is a big thing in, the, in my community as well. And it's something, you know, it's sad to see that type of stuff because, you know, it's, it's, it's very, um, you know, it's very, it's things that we shouldn't have to be, you know, fine constantly about that we should just put aside because it wastes more time than, than, we, than we need to because we need to be putting things aside to actually fight, you know, the fight that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you said, the the fraternity, the, frater- the what's it called, the sorority is very, uh, you know, the sororities are very, 
uh, divided. It seems that more of the light-skinned women are in one fraternity with their hair more flowing straight and more less with the curls. Mm-hmm. And the other one, the other fraternity, the other sorority, it's very uh, darker-skinned women, and they're allowing you know their natural natu- natural curls to come in. And there's there's this really powerful scene with uh, with Lawrence Fishburne in here with uh, the girl. And she says that uh, sometimes she sometimes she feels that she doesn't that he that he's with her, not because he actually likes her, but because she's a darker skinned woman and she she feels that that gives him a little bit more notoriety uh, against, you know, the whole colorism in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, again, like it's it's. Uh, an overwhelming system that enacts this kind of patriarchal thought and this uh, idea that, you know, you're trying to uh, please to, uh, you know, Eurocentric beauty standards with straight hair and, you know, um, and, you know, the, the, the group, you know, who have their, who, the group of, of young ladies who have their hair kind of um, in that kind of style of straightened and kind of, you know, almost like bleached or blonde, uh, they are considered the wannabes of the movie. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think even in the song, uh, they say want to be better than me, which is, you know, that's how issues of, you know, beauty standards and self-esteem, especially amongst, um, young African-American women who throughout the media have only seen themselves portrayed, you know, uh, a couple of ways, and that's with these ultimate, either ultimately defined beauty standards or through um, ultimately defined Eurocentric beauty standards or through um, impoverished either slaves or servants in, you know, mm-hmm. classic Hollywood cinema. So there wasn't, there isn't really an opportunity for a free, there, was a, there really wasn't an opportunity for a free-minded black woman mm-hmm. uh, to be represented in, in movies and in cinema. So Spike Lee really went out of his way to make sure that he incorporated a lot of these themes of femininity in this uh, largely patriarchal story. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, criticize Spike Lee for his first film, uh, She Gotta Have It, which I think is, you know, wonderful, but there's a valid point to be made that um, the main female character in that movie, who's kind of the star of that film, she's kind of just an antithesis of... Male insecurities, essentially, mm-hmm. um, but and but I think in this film, uh, the women play a much more active role, uh, even to the point where, you know, who we think is not necessarily a villain, but is supposed to represent the bad side of the coin, um, and Jane's character, who's dating John uh, uh, Carlos Expedi- yeah, Exposito, um, and she has um, and she has a moment towards the end of the film that really gives you a lot more uh, sympathy and empathy for her situation, how it makes you realize how, even though she might be a wannabe and she's, uh, and she's uh, uh, subjecting herself to, um, you know, these uh, ideas of colorism and these ideas of, of hair texture that are negative um, she still is just as equally influenced by the patriarchy as everybody else at this school. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree with you, man. And it's some, 
It's some really interesting stuff when when you're coming down to that. Really, what Spike Lee is really what's it called? Uh, analyzing this film and really speaking on. And I was gonna say that uh, there's there's the um, I can't I can't remember Jane Jane yeah yeah at the end when there what's it called when when he's when um what's his um Lawrence Fishburne's character is calling out to her. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, it's really interesting what Spike Lee does with the women in here, because really black women aren't really, uh, what's it called? Uh, as in, in cinema, black women aren't really represented as they, as they should be, you know, no, no, what's it mm-hmm. called? And, and in here, you really do see the, basically what I've seen most black women speak on. Like, if no, if, if no one's respecting us, you know, how are we going to respect each other? All right. And what's it called? I was, I was going to say it was very, very interesting that most of the women here are taking the baggage of the men. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very it's very interesting when you're getting into the whole, you know, commentary on the patriarchy because of course, we're both men who benefit from the patriarchal system that we are being played in even yeah. though we don't benefit it as much as, you know, I would say white men do. But right. we're still we're we're still men who play into that system and still benefit from it. And these women, right. what's it called, at every single moment, you know, um, Spike Lee's character is con- is being told that he needs to lose his virginity, so he mm. needs to take. He needs they they basically plead for any woman to try to get into into bed with him, and of course at the end Julian finds the woman who who will, who will sleep with him, and then when she sleeps with him he's mad at her because she thought he thought that she wouldn't she wouldn't do it even though she he pleads for her to do it for the fraternity. Right. Yeah. And, you know, again, that just goes into the patriarchal system. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things outside of femininity and um, hair texture bias and self-esteem, I think a big part of this is also the fraternity system, right? Mm -hmm. And the kind of idea of, like, hazing and Mm -hmm. um, the kind of rigid um, sense of masculinity that, you know, at least during that time was expected to exist uh, amongst fraternity men. And I, and you know, you it's emphasized throughout the entire film, like the entire movie, Spike Lee's character, I think his name is Darnell. Um, he goes around yelling, I'm gonna be a gamma man, I'm gonna be a gamma man. Um, and it's fascinating because Spike Lee himself was actually um, in a uh, black fraternity uh, during his time at Morehouse. So he kind of has like a lot of firsthand experience with a lot of the stuff. So what he's portraying on screen is something that he feels very, you know, it's a very like personal experience to him. Yeah. And he's constantly going, uh, you know, trying to do everything correctly. Even, you know, he's he even speaking the way that they ask him, like, you know, when they do a, what's it called? A, a Big Brother, Dr. Feel Good, you know, that yeah, he does yeah. away, you know, and he even re- re- constantly repeating the, Almighty and Lance and you know he's constantly uh, what's it called wanting to belong to this frat and it, mm-hmm. it's very it's 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 very um uh I keep saying interesting but but it is man because mm-hmm. you know he's constantly looking for a home but and and obviously his cousin feels a certain way about um about um. What, God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Almighty, I'm Dap. sorry. Almighty, uh, Julian. Dap feels a certain uh, way about Julian. Mm. But he's still willing to look out for his cousin and be like, hey, man, please help my cousin out. Like, he wants to be with y'all. Please give him the chance to be with you. Even though Julian, of course, says he has to pass the test. You know, I'm not going to just give him guns and slack. 
you know. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I think it's interesting that um, Dap is a character who did try and pledge for the Gamma uh, fraternity, but didn't end up getting in himself. So that's something that um, Julian, uh, that John, Expedi- uh, John Carlo Expedito's character, Julian, holds over um, Half Pint, who's Spike Lee's character, Darnell Half Pint. So it's like he holds over the fact that his older cousin couldn't make it to the fraternity. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Dap has um, some resentment towards Julian and the entire fraternity in general is because he didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I think the question kind of subtly implies that um, that maybe uh, Dap takes this more revolutionary, more pro-Black position um, as a... Um, as kind of an acknowledgement and as a turning his back towards uh, the fraternity system that rejected him. So uh, it's kind of interesting to see like that kind of dichotomy between uh, like understanding, you know, family relationships between your cousin Mm -hmm. and um, but also the relationship you have to uh, your college and your community and that you know, especially in this film, he's very outspoken about his disdain for Mission College, you know, who, what is, which is the black fraternity, the HBCU represented here. Um, and he, 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 he makes it very clear of his um, disdain for how um, the school has been handling issues of apartheid as it mm-hmm. relates to South Africa, which was very prevalent during the, the 80s with Nelson Mandela and, and all that stuff. So... It's just fascinating that, you know, this whole political debate kind of sparks and leads to, uh, you know, kind of like as an inciting incident of this movie that, you know, remains a constant draw of conflict between the people in the fraternity and DAP, the people at the head of the administration of the school and DAP. Um, and literally comes down to both like DAP's family, his friends um, and uh, even his, you know, his cousins and his girlfriend. So it just it 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 boils down to all of these issues that we see him dealing with throughout this this entire film. Yeah, and it's it's really uh, what's it called a, a pivotal point with Dap, and really having to. I, I think that it's it's hard because you know Dap is really trying to choose is is being put in the position to choose between, you know, his fight, and mm-hmm. you know his family, friends, a girlfriend, even though. You know, it, 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 you can do the you can do both. You can worry about your caution. You can worry about your friends. But it just seems that Dap is being pulled on both sides and he has no idea how to how to how to fix that. And it's yeah. because of a lot of institutional reasons that are set inside there, you know, basically having the community be put against each other. And while, you know, while the aggressors are still out there, uh, you know, oppressing people in South Africa while people are still being killed in the streets by uh, by by the police state and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's just one of the. Again, I go back to the idea of nuance, right? Like it, this movie uh, appropriately gives you both sides of the coins for like a lot of these arguments. And regardless of you know which side you agree with or which side you don't, uh, and obviously Spike Lee has a perspective. I mean, he's clearly he clearly kind of portrays like the administration as kind of an overarching kind of bad guy of this movie. Um, we do see, you know, Julian's Dean Big Brother Almighty, um, how his character 
is kind of uh, another one of the certified be and morally irredeemable uh, people in this film too. So, but for the most part, I think they they even in having even in having figures who are um, not necessarily represent representative of and excuse me and having figures that are not necessarily uh, representative of the black movement and the black and the HBCU movement and uh, social consciousness movements uh, like apartheid protest and whatnot. Um, it still gives you an added perspective and humanizes um, the people who aren't necessarily as politically active and are just simply looking for a sense of community amongst uh, a black fraternity and amongst uh, HBCU in general. Yeah, it just just some of those some of them are just not able to take on that labor. And, and, we- you, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's also another one of my favorite scenes when uh, Dap is kind of talking to his friends. And he is saying, like, you know, the school administration aren't going far enough. And they said they're going to uh, expel me if if I don't keep fi- if I keep fighting. And his friends basically tell him, like, let's look, we're down for the movement. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm going to be the first one in my family to to finish college. Mm-hmm. And nothing's going to stop me. Not even if, you know, not even if Mel- Nelson Mandela was in America himself, basically, like. Uh, so it's just it's very it's very potent and very um, very dynamic to see that kind of argument of understanding that not necessarily everybody has the worth all of being uh, politically active or being um, you know uh, putting putting their their necks on the line for 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 a cause that mm-hmm. could negatively affect them. Yeah, but all and all of us are have different methods of, uh, of our radical actions, you know? Uh, and I, and I really, really did connect to that scene when he's talking about that, because I come from a first generation, uh, college, a first generation college student, you know, the only person who went to college in my family was my big brother. And he, he really did. He really is the one who put, who set the image. And my mother, you know, was constantly telling us to go to college. You know, nobody else really went to college in my family. My father, my father went to high school, finished, he was supposed to go to college, and then just it didn't happen. My mom went for two years. She got she got pregnant with my little my big brother, and she obviously had to take uh what's it called more responsibility. She had to take the responsibility on that because uh you know the father ran out. But right. but what's it called? Uh, some of us, you know, we really really do want to fight. It's 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 in our nature to want to fight, and it should be our duty to fight. But some of yeah. us, some of us aren't are aren't ready to take on that labor. We want to just you know. Finish school because to us that's a bigger that's a bigger accomplishment than we could ever imagine. And I'll tell you, growing up where I grew up, a lot of us weren't expected to make it out of here. You know, we, we you right. know we should have we should have either went to jail, we should have we should have ended up at the local what's it called oil rigs working there for you know a good amount of money, but not a lot of stability and and you know the the benefits that come from a higher paying job. But some of those, some of us who went on to college, and I think you can, you can, uh, you can, what's it called, relate to that as well. Like it was a privilege for us to go to college. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm no, sorry, no, go yeah, ahead. Go no, ahead. yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I would just say it was a privilege for us to go to college, and it was, and it was, it was a goal. It was to our family, to our family. That was like you really did live that American dream. 
You know, even though there was constant stuff that was that was working against us, constant systems that were telling us that we 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 weren't going to make it out and we were going to go straight to jail or 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 what's it called, uh, oil rigs and stuff like that, man. We 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 still battled those odds, and to be in that position of being in college and being almost grad college graduates, that means a lot. Yeah, and yeah, I mean that's been a very important thing in my family too. Like, um. Like, you know, like you said, I'm the, I'm the first person in my family to um, graduate from college. And it's, you know, it's a very important thing. And it, it means so much to people, particularly from the black community, because we don't have the same opportunities. We don't have those same resources to go. I was fortunate in the fact that I was able to get one of those like Gates Millennium Scholarship, um, you know, uh, before and I, I and 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 that allows me to pay for my college education. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, and the people who are fortunate enough to have that opportunity um, are, you know, at least like, you know, at least have the at least have an opportunity to experience the world outside of their community and outside of their you know more impoverished community, which. I think goes right into what Samuel Jackson and his role in this film was kind of playing, was kind of giving that perspective to, um, of, of how the locals of a lot of these HBCUs and a lot of these college towns feel with um, having uh, the students be there and kind of taking over their community. And it's really, uh, and to me, that was another big proponent moment for me too was mm-hmm. when they went to the KFC and, you know, Samuel Jackson and his, I think they, I think they're credited as local uh, yodels or something like that, um, which is kind of funny to me. But uh, when they go into the KFC and literally uh, Samuel Jackson and his crew are making fun of these college kids because they just have this overall disdain towards college, towards uh, mm-hmm. the college, the university kids at this, at this HBCU. Um and this this thing kind of grows from the class and the quality that comes from mm-hmm. um, that comes from you know the the system that we live in in America where you know if you're highly if you're higher educated you're more likely to get employed than lower educated keeping the bottom at the bottom and uh, and even though this group you know these these black men and women are just working to achieve and working to better themselves. Um, that comes at the uh, detriment to the locals in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I didn't go to an HBCU, I personally kind of have seen this firsthand, like through a lot of my life, through being in LA and living around USC and seeing how much USC has expanded into the, because people don't realize USC is really in the hood, like it's really mm-hmm. in South Central Los Angeles. And they, they managed to... Cl- they managed to kind of uh, take over the entire from downtown L.A. to um, north of Martin Luther King Boulevard. They completely took over that entire area um, and kind of made it and kind of, I, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of gentrified it. Mm-hmm. So um, and now we now people at USC and people who live in that area are in a position where. Um, the poor folks who have grown up in South Central their entire lives and have owned property there uh, are few and far between, and they have to live in the middle of all of these like 
college students and people driving, you know, Ferraris and Teslas mm-hmm. on their same block. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a really interesting dynamic that just kind of exists and that's like super prevalent throughout this film. Yeah, and I was gonna say, and in 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 a way as well, uh, UH where I go is in kind of the same situation because we're right next to Third Ward, uh, now being called Edo, but get that shit out of my face. No, it's Third Ward. Uh, right. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's 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 you have all these kids kind of being around there with you know, of course, like their Teslas, their 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 sports cars, and. Uh, and it's a thing. It's a lot of people. When I before I went to UH, I heard so many things like, "Oh, it's such a it's it's such a dangerous school. You'll get mugged and stuff." And and uh, and of course that comes from a very you know anti anti black and brown sentiment because the right. school is very predominant. It's one of the most diverse schools in Texas, and it's predominantly black and brown. Right. And when I get there, I'm like, you know. What's the problem? I there's there's no single problem out here about being mud. I'm I'm walking down the street pretty fine here. There's no there's no there's no instances of that. And then I see where we are located. I'm like, of course, you're put mm-hmm. right next to the to basically the hood, and you're in your and your thought of having your school being labeled as dangerous. But in the sense, we don't think about the people who are living there next to us who have been here for centuries before the school was even built. You're you right. Know? How. How do they? How do they feel? And how, how do they feel having their homes being basically invaded by, you know, people who who what's it called? Who probably don't even give a second look to them and don't even think about them because they probably put themselves on a bigger position than they than they are. And I was gonna say that that scene with Samuel Jackson is probably one of my favorites here, and it reminded me of Jay Z's story of OJ. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. because what he's saying is that. Even if, and it's what's it's what I've subscribed to them to always. Even if you're college educated, even if you're a higher class black man, Latino, whatever, mm-hmm. what's it called? Even if you're you're the frick you're the fucking Bill Gates of your community, you're still seen as just another black or brown man or woman. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's what's it called? You can be the best of the best. You're still seen it as them. So don't 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 come in here and tell yourself that you're you're, you're above the lower class. What's it called? The people because at the end of the day, what's it called? The, the, the police state, the the government, the politicians, they still just see you for who for for your skin color and that's it. That's all you are. And of course he says it in with a certain with a word I'm not going to say here. Not my word to say. So right. he's got he just says that that's who you are. And I think that's that's crazy powerful because in my community, it's we've had the same thing. Like, oh no, no, what's it called? I, I went to do this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the shit now. You know, all the shit. It's like, no, nah, dude, you're just another fucking Mexican who came from the fucking hood where I live. And you're, you're, you're what's it called? You, to to them, you're still just a fucking Mexican. You know, you're you're, right. you're nothing. You're, you're nothing to them. So mm-hmm. instead of us being put against each other, we have to stop that and we have to uplift each other and put ourselves on that higher ground. Just like Spike Lee is kind of arguing for here in uh, in school days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, and yeah, and I think that's 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 something that um, all communities have to work together to ensure to make sure that people um, who are the locals are 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 do have a voice and do have a presence, but while also making sure to remember that 
um, you know, your, uh, your journey and your being at college is what is right for you. And that's your choice. And that's something that you're making the decision to better yourself. Um, and, you know, and fortunately, you know, a lot of people in this system kind of put, put blame elsewhere, like Samuel Jackson's character is kind of, um, putting blame instead of, instead of blaming, uh, this, the institutions and the systems that have, uh, kind of led to this position mm-hmm. of, of, of poverty in his community. Um, he instead blames, uh, his, his fellow, uh, African-Americans, his fellow black people who are just trying to, like I said, uh, encourage betterment and trying to be better, um, and trying to represent a better, uh, image and, uh, conceptual, uh, understanding of, of black America. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and come back, but after we're done with our commercial break, we'll be back to discuss more of school days. And we've got a couple of left uh, topics here that I wanted to bring up that we can uh, talk on, but we have to go to commercial break. So guys listen to these wonderful commercials made by wonderful people's wonderful people that are, that do other shows here on the Nerdcore podcast network. So uh, we'll see you when we come back after break. Hey, I'm Roland Ando Mendoza, and this is... Jabril Newton. And we are the hosts of High Flyer Radio. Radio. And finally, pro wrestling has come back to the NerdCore podcast feed in the form of a show hosted by Jabril and I. And we talk about everything and anything in the pro wrestling world on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Nothing's off limits. Whatever you guys want to talk about, it is from AEW to SmackDown, to Raw, to NXT, nothing's off the table. We can talk about it. We're going to talk all about it. And if you can get it a day early, you should go to the www.patreon.com slash the Nerdcore and pledge to the tiers on there so you can get this show and a lot of shows days early before anybody else gets to hear it. But enough talking about it. We'll go ahead and see you there at the Squared Circle. Oh, yeah. Don't tap out. Tune in. Tune in. Hey, it's Ashley from the Gamer Core. You may remember me from such episodes as Big Screen Mess, Mo Money Mo Platforms, and Brad Can Read. Tune in weekly as I blab with my co-hosts Raul the Nerdy Chicano and Brad the Random Germ about the latest news in gaming and gush over what we're playing at the moment. Oh yeah, and we got the deals too. Keep up with the latest deals in gaming and what's happening as I mediate Brad and Raul fighting like a married couple. Will Death Stranding ever come out? Will Cyberpunk 2077 live up to the hype? Is a next-gen worth a $500 console price tag? And has there ever been a movie adaptation of a video game that's been done right? It's all on the GamerCore podcast, everywhere where podcasts are. Hey everyone, my name is Raul, the Nerd Chicano, and I am the host of The Impert Files. The Impert Files is an interview show brought to you every Thursday on the NerdCore podcast feed. And... I interview people such as filmmakers, content creators on YouTube, and podcasters like Colton Geschwander. And if you want to listen to that early, a whole week early, all you got to do is go to the Patreon and pledge to the $1 tier. And if you want to listen to it with the general public, then go to Nerdcore Podcast Feed on anchor.fm slash the Nerdcore. And the case is close, but it's not classified. See you guys there. Hey guys, this is Brad, aka Young Yoda. Raul said I had to make an ad, so that's what I'm doing. Um, it's supposed to be for Unstructured, but as you guys know, you can freaking catch me everywhere when it comes to this podcast feed. You can find me on the Nerd Cores, on Gamer Cores, on Nerdy Chicanos sometimes when I get lost. Uh, I mean, but 
for this particular one, I want you guys to go check out Unstructured. The role gave me free reign to do whatever I want to do. I don't know what he was thinking. So go hear me talk about LeBron James and Taco Tuesday, vaping, uh, so many other freaking weird topics that uh, chimichangas, that's a good one. Uh, shout out to Deadpool. And yeah, I, I guess this is the end of the ad. So if you guys want to find me, you can find me all over the place on this uh, podcast feed. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I love you all. And nerd up. Hello, 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 guys and gals, and you're listening to the Ladies of Nerdcore. I am your host, Daniela Nunez, and along with my amazing co-host, Ashley Garcia, we discuss many things like social impact, pop culture, political realms, and any controversy surrounding the Nerdverse. Tune in and listen to us bi-weekly on the Nerdcore podcast feed, and we will love to chat and hear your thoughts on our wonderful show. And thank you again for listening to the Ladies of Nerdcore. What's up, everybody? It is me, Raul, and I'm one of the hosts of the Nerdy Chicano Show. The Nerdy Chicano Show is a comedic show brought to you by Luis and myself, and it comes to you all every Sunday on the Nerdcore podcast feed. You can catch it a day early by becoming a Patreon and supporting us at the $1 tier. And I don't really know how to explain this show other than it's fun. We get to talk about whatever we want, and it helps you move on in the week. So if you want to catch on, if you want to catch the the Nerdy Chicano Show every Sunday at 8 a.m. All you got to do is go to anchor.fm slash the nerdcore, and we'll see you there, baby. Hey, everyone, I'm Raul. And I'm Brad. And we're the hosts of the Nerdcore Podcast, the podcast that talks that nerd. Not on this ad, right? And we come to you every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. On the Mondays, we talk the news. That's the box office, the news of the week. And your trailer talk, if there is any. And on Tuesday, we have our theme review. And on Saturday, you have a Saturday morning review. Usually movies that have come out in the week or anything we want to talk about. Right, Brett? Exactly. Whatever we want to talk about, this is our show. If you don't like it, then you don't have to listen. We're the flagship show of the Nerdcore podcast feed. And we can be found everywhere you can listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, so if you want to talk that nerd stuff with us every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, make sure you tune in. And Brad? Young Yoda out. Welcome back to the Cinema Condition. We're here after the break. We're still discussing school days here with RB3, Robert Butler III. And I want to say thank you all for, for listening to those commercials if you did. You know, because you do have the power to just skip over them. But those commercials have been have, have were recorded by wonderful people who you can go in and listen to all those other shows on anchor.fm slash nerdcore. Of course, most of those shows, I'm involved in them, but there's shows that, you know, other people are involved in, and you can go listen to them. So uh, do me a favor, and please go and listen to those shows on anchor.fm slash nerdcore. That's the other feed, where you can also find this show, but if you want to have the show more caught up, you you know you have to check it out on here on the Cinema Condition feed. So uh, we're, we're back here with, Ro- with RB3. And we're going to keep on discussing this. Man, I, there was one of the most interesting themes in this film. It's something that I wanted to talk on. And it's something that, you know, me being the person I am, I've constantly been, you know, deconstructing and very trying to find the real definition of masculinity, which, you know, uh, my experience, I've found that there really is no real definition of masculinity. And there's a very, very interesting, uh, what's it called, uh, a form of it being brought in here, especially with a, with, with a half pint because, you know, they obviously push him to lose his virginity, 
you know, he they they know he's not a virgin. They know he's not. They he know they know he's a virgin. Like even though he's like, no, no, I I am like trying to be like the cool guys and be like, yeah, no, of course I'm not a virgin. Like you know, I I, I even I think he even says like I was with a sluzy in a in a in 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 high school, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I wanted to I wanted to get your thoughts on a little bit of and have a discussion on that because, uh, you know, the concept of virginity is mostly a social construct. You know, there really right. is no importance to it it's just we've been brought up especially as men that if we were to lose it you know we're like oh we're seen as higher than we were actually at one point like we're not pussies anymore we're not we're not little bitches like you know we 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 became men we became these macho figures that were able to take that were able to lose virginities and we're able to you know you know do the most natural form of procreation out here yeah, ma- masculinity is one of the, like I said, prevalent themes in this film. I think they really go into de- into detail about the various ways you could interpret masculinity, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it through being a man for your community, being a man for your people, being a, a, a man of rev- rev- revolution like Dap mm-hmm. is? Or is it conforming to a fraternity system? And is it conforming to... Um, being a part of that kind of community and being a quote a gamma man. And, you know, and a lot of the times with, at least with, in this film too, especially um, the traditions of hazing and the traditions of the Institute and the traditions of getting into a fraternity largely entails um, demasculating yourself. And um, that's something that they deal with uh, promptly, like throughout the entire film. Yeah. You're, they're constantly uh, demasculating them. Masculine. Ah, fuck it. I'm not gonna be able to say it. that's the what's it called the the cons of English being your second language. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah. It, just like you have trouble pronouncing the the Spanish names or the Italian filmmaker names, I have trouble saying words in English. <laughs> I, I have a ter- listen. I'm never gonna criticize anybody for being bad at pronouncing things because I'm terrible. I'm literally yeah, the word. I always have to tell people like, uh, hey man. My- my my language, my second language was English. Like my first one was Spanish. Like please understand. Like I have a pretty good job at masking my uh my my accent. Is is you know through experience, but you know ha- having to pronounce stuff like demasculate. De- uh, fuck it, I'm not gonna try it. Uh, but yeah, so he's constantly being that word, and we we see he even goes to inter- have several women interview for him to be. So he could possibly take one to bed and each of them say no. And like, of course they're going to say no, dude. Like you're just some random ass dude who's asking one of these girls to go on a date and you don't even know him. You don't even know him that well. But of course, it's 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 asked of you to lose your virginity by that time. Like if you didn't lose it by college, by societal standards, you're like, well, what have you been doing? Like you, you gotta start swinging. You know, you gotta find somebody who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna fuck you. And it's a very, it's a very toxic way of viewing uh, men. And it's a lot of it is why some of us aren't able to actually, you know, process our emotions correctly and why we're labeled as pussies and stuff. I mean, and that just goes into the whole ending, right? Like mm-hmm. where Spike Lee's character, um, more or less, I mean, kind of sexually assaults, if not just full out. Um, like uh, rapes the young lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, that's the point to where the 
toxic masculinity is pushed. Um, now, I don't necessarily think that's indicative of all fraternity experiences. I personally was part of a fraternity at USC, a professional fraternity, Delta Kappa Alpha. Um, and that was a professional cinema fraternity that they had at USC in the USC film school. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I, and, and that fraternity is a lot more progressive, a lot more like gender inclusive, um, and, and, uh, a lot more, uh, centri- centered around, um, people of color and women of color and men of mm-hmm. color who are interested in the film industry. So we, I, you know, being part of a frater- professional fraternity, we did have, not hazing. We never had hazing. It was more of just like challenges during our pledging semester that were fun and intense. It was intense, but it wasn't like intense in an abusive way. They gave us a lot of tasks and had us do a lot of fun, fun things. Um, you know, so that's not an experience that I have. And I don't think the experience, uh, the fraternity experience represented in school days is necessarily an uh, experience that is reflective of all black fraternities, all HBCU fraternities or all um, fraternities in general, mm-hmm. um, but it is an extension and uh, and an exaggeration of uh, the 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 prevalent nature of um, toxic masculinity and the fraternity system uh, in general. Yeah, and I and I do agree with you. He, he outright pretty much did rape that girl because she she didn't want to do it because she wanted to have sex with him. She wanted to do it for the for the for the um, for the for the for the community for the um, for the fraternity, or yeah, or for a boyfriend for a boyfriend uh, for Julian. Yeah, yeah, and and it's interesting because that scene it makes so Spike Lee does something really interesting. So of course, for those of you who do know, one many of the movies that I enjoy, and it doesn't come from a creepy aspect. I really do enjoy the erotic dramas, the erotic dr- thrillers. I think it's very interesting when we bring sexuality to the front. I think it's one of the one of the aspects that we're a little bit too scared to talk about. I I think that we that we kind of hide it from a lot of people. But you know, to be proud, not to be proud, but to be interested in sex is not a bad thing. I think it's something that we can we, we are we owe to ourselves to be open about and, and really put it out to the forefront. A lot of the scripts that I write are that deal deal a lot with uh, sexuality. So it's very interesting that Spike Lee, the way he films those first sex scenes, so. With Dap and his girlfriend, with Julian and his girlfriend, they're very beautiful. They're very sensual, and then that scene with uh, with with um with what's it called a uh, half pint, and and the girl and Julian's girlfriend, it feels very odd. It feels, it shows that there's malintentions in there. Yeah, it's very awkward. Like you said, the the other scenes are a lot more steamy, a a, a lot more vibrant use of colors. And a lot much, much like kind of flashier editing, but yeah, like you said, like with this one, this is not one of those kind of like um, beautiful, loving moments. Like it's really awkward and it's really um, kind of destructive and, and terrible. Yeah, but but it's it's those very systems that we uphold that give power to these and give power to rape culture and give power to these a uh, very toxic way of of, of bringing up men. Instead of instead of you know this fraternity just being like it's fine if you've never you know if you're still a virgin that's fine you relatively you're young as hell like you still got time what was that kid was probably like around eighteen years old like you've got a shit ton of time to lose it and it's fine and and, but instead of doing that we uphold these systems which you know create some very dangerous men and 
And and, and and it comes down once again what this I think what this film is trying to ultimately say it's it comes down to the way that we treat ourselves and that we view ourselves uh, instead of uh taking the time to uphold these very dangerous systems. Yeah, no, absolutely, a hundred percent. So uh, we we're what's it called? We're we're still trucking along here, man, and we've got some good stuff. But I really wanted to bring up that uh the masculine masculinity in here because. That stuff really interests interests me. Like, of course, I was I was raised very differently. I was raised that it was okay to cry. That you cry when you cry. You show your feelings, and you what's it called? You respect women. You treat them a certain way. You know, you don't you don't you don't say all these things and stuff. So, when 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 we got to this part of the film, I I was really really interested. And it was probably the first thing I wrote down. I was like, oh, I want to talk about masculinity in this because it's it's very much it's it's. And especially, and I, you know, I can't speak on the black community because I don't know how it is in the black community. But from the Latino community, this is something that's constantly happening. Like, you know, oh, you know, where's your girlfriend? Like, you know, you should have a girlfriend by now. You should have, you know, you should have had like, you should have had all these women all over. Like, you know, if you don't have right. an interest in women and you don't have all these things, like you're viewed as like, well, what, what the fuck are you doing then, dude? Like, you know, you're, you're basically a pussy. They view you as a pussy because, you know, you you're not you're not this uh what's it called womanizing figure that you're supposed to be. You're right. I mean it's very it's very polarizing and it's very again it goes into that like I said before it's that whole talk it's that whole mentality of the patriarchy, right? Like the mm-hmm. mentality of subscribing to a system that um is not only indicative of this kind of behavior but in some ways a closet. And I think what Spike Lee's doing here is he's kind of going against the grain and not applauding that behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it and it, 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 it it's just another example of, you know, I personally think Spike Lee's a very like woke filmmaker. I think mm-hmm. a lot of his films are kind of ahead of their time and they kind of tell stories that may have not been popular when they came out. But I think over time, history is a little more gracious towards them. I think this is like one of those examples of something that like the things that he was saying he was saying in this film were not largely registered in the same kind of way that they would be registered now in 2020. Um, but the fact that he's able to have the bravery to open up those discussions um, uh, is very powerful. Yeah, man. Um, so we're we're almost nearing the end here, man. Uh, there's there is there anything that you know that that we haven't really touched yet that you would want to bring up? Um, well, I mean, I just want to like shout out a couple like my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love the scene when, um, it, I think it's early on in the film where, uh, the, the, uh, where the gamma, where the gamma, the gamma, the gamma fights where like the pledges have to like do their little stepping song in front of the, like in the house mm-hmm. and then in front of like the, the the uh, John Carlos Exposito's uh, Julian and and in front of the the crew and then and then um, Julian does this like military style kind of uh, like drilling of each of the pledges mm-hmm. like you know who and trying to single out like who's the who's the standout and for me it's so funny it's so like stylistic and it's you know it's very like obviously influenced by like militaristic is probably, I think this came out the year after uh, Kubrick did um, the Vietnam movie. Uh, um, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket. Exactly. And I'm sure that he probably took at least a little inspiration from um, 
from 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 the military scenes in there. Um, but yeah, I really, really that's one of my favorite scenes. I also love um, love 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 the the Ozzy Davis scene when he is like the football coach in the locker room and oh. he's giving that speech. That to me is one of the most hilarious speeches mm-hmm. uh, or monologues I've ever seen. And I love that. Ozzy Davis kind of has always been the monologue guy in every single Spike Lee movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that he has that big monologue there. Uh, that to me is just amazing. And um, What is it that he says? Uh, the devil's in the next locker room and he wants us to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you want to stand with the devil or do you want to find? Yeah, it's just funny. Like, it's just really, really funny. And he's like, do you want me to lose my job? Like every, like all of his, all of his lines. And he and the funniest part to me is that he gives like the most amazing speech ever. Oh, it was and great. Then they go out there and get totally blown out. <laughs> I love that he doesn't. And I don't know if it's because the budget didn't allow for them to do a full on uh, football game. But mm-hmm. I love the the only thing you're seeing is the numbers and the yeah. people reacting like, come on, man. Like, you know, you got to get the ball. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that, that to me is one of my um, that's another one of my favorite moments, too. Mm-hmm. God, yeah, I love that. I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I'm usually not a musical guy. I mm-hmm. loved the what's it called the, the choreography and the in the you know the hair song, you know. Yeah, love yeah. that. I, I think that was I think that was fantastic, and it's also just once again all, all these women are beautiful women, and they did a great job at it with with the costumes and with the with the styling of the of the hair and, and the makeup and. It all was, it was fantastic. I love that scene. I love the, uh, what's it called? I thought, of course, you know, the big thing, a lot of the commentary on this is about, like, you know, hazing and fraternities. What's it called? I, I, I like that, what's it called, the, the faces. They were like, oh, like they were actually making real faces that I think I would be making if somebody was slapping my ass with that shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's played for laughs, it's played for jokes, but ultimately it was really, really funny stuff, so I, I really dug it. Yeah. I also love how they, what's it called? They look, man, I'm not a KFC guy. Uh, I'm more of a fan of Popeyes and uh, what's Me it too. called? Me too. Me too. Yeah. Have you ever had Jolly Bee? I like that more. Jolly Bee, that's the, is that the Filipino place? Yeah, the Filipino place. I've had Jolly Bee. I've been to Jolly Bee. Bro, that's my favorite fried chicken. I, I really? love Jolly Bee. But dude, I love how they were like, dude, can we at least finish the chicken first? Like, I want to, like, you you pay yeah. for all that shit and you're leaving it there. E- even though I will say I'm not the big like I said I'm not the biggest fan of KFC. Like, ugh. yeah, but I think back then probably I mean at least I think probably in 1988 KFC was like the hottest uh, stuff on the streets. But it I actually have been. to me that that's that's also one of my favorite scenes because every single beat in that scene is just hilarious to me. Like when they're at the cash register and she's like. Uh, do you have white? Uh, and, she, and she's like, "Do you want white meat or dark meat?" And he's like, "He's like, I want white meat." And she's like, "Sorry, we don't have white meat." He's like, well, why'd you ask? And then, uh, uh, and then they go a- right into uh, them all sitting down and, and eating. And it's like, "You pass the salt." And then they go over to Samuel Jackson's and all them and all the, those characters. And like, and then he's like, uh, "He's like, you pass me the salt." And he's like, "He's like, uh, when we done or when we finished?" And then uh, and he's like, "Well, when will we be finished?" And he kind of gives him this look and like this long pause, and then he's like, he's like, "What time it is?" And then he did like the the goofy laugh and the, and uh, the hand movements. And to me, that's just hilarious too. Yeah. Like, there's just so many funny movies, so many funny moments just throughout this entire movie. Well, yeah, because like 
And, and I think that's kind of Spike Lee saying, like, you know, sometimes we have to laugh at the ridiculousness of, of, of our own communities. Like, you know, yeah. it, and it, I think that that was great. Uh, I, I love that whole, like, why you're talking? Because it rem- I was watching, uh, so I, was, I, was show- I showed my mom Uncut Gems. And it's called that moment when KG is like, what the fuck are you bringing out the Opal for if I can't buy it? So what are you showing me <laughs> yeah. for? It's the same thing. Like, why are you why are you asking me for white meat or dark meat if I can't even fucking buy it? <laughs> you don't even have fucking white meat. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. I, I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. And he does that in this. It's what Spike Lee has always done really well in his films is that he knows how to balance the humor with the seriousness. Because after all that, we still go back to what's it called? We get to that amazing ending of the wake up and the beautiful colors and kind of get that that kind of giving you a sneak peek of that beautiful palette and that beautiful look of what is going to come and do the right thing. Yeah, and I think you know, like I said, the last line in this movie is "Wake up." The mm-hmm. first line and um and do the right thing is "Wake up," and you kind of see like it's kind of a transition of. I don't want to say I don't want to say it's like a transition of presence, but it's a transition or a transition of messages. But it's it's kind of an extension of the greater complexity that Spike Lee's kind of getting at. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know um, his first film, she got to have it dealt with femininity and um, and you know uh, sexual relations, and his second film dealt with college and HBCUs and. Um, you know, institution and institutions of racism amongst higher education, uh, do the right thing will ultimately go on to focus on the community, the neighborhood aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of those sentiments. And I think that's probably the most exciting part about it. Yes, sir. So that is it. That's our conversation on Spike Lee school days. And I got to say, it was an incredible conversation. RB3, I really, really do appreciate you coming on, man. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is a... This has got to be like uh, almost like an hour and 12 or 15 minutes. I'm not sure. I'll look at it when I take this to the editing uh, room. But uh, I, I, I really want to thank you, man, for picking this film. Like I said, I, I love this film. This has got to be one of my favorites from uh, Spike Lee. I even texted my, I texted my co-host. I was like, dude, this movie's pretty fucking awesome. Like, you should watch this. Like, I really do. I really do enjoy what he's saying, what Spike Lee's saying here. Yeah. Yeah, no, me too. I'm super, super excited. All right, man. Well, now we've met and we've reached the moment of truth, my friend. Okay, so every single guest on the Cinema Condition is told to either to is told to recommend a film and also call dibs on a film for season two. Of course, those the same the the film can be the same one. So, right, right. Yeah. So RB three. Before we go ahead and leave here, what is the movie that you recommend the people go check out right now? Well, I would recommend people check out, uh, obviously, this movie's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spike Lee film uh, that we're talking about, School Days, is on Netflix. And uh, another Spike Lee film that I think deserves the recognition, deserves a lot more recognition than it probably uh, has gotten, uh, that is also on Netflix, is called Get on the Bus. It mm-hmm. came out in 1996, and it's all about a bus full of young um, black men, not just young black men, um, a, a bus full of black men who are taking a bus ride down to Washington, D.C. for the um, Million Man's March that happened in 1995. Mm-hmm. And it uh, and much like school days, it gives you a nuanced perspective on the black experience. Um, it gives you like a clear understanding of, 
you know, what different perspectives in the black community are all kind of saying about um, the culture that we kind of live in and dwell in. Um, and I think it, uh, you know, and I think it's a very great conversation piece for people who aren't necessarily familiar with the Millions Man March or familiar with um, the mission of people like Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. So I think it's very, very powerful, and it's a really, really good... It's a really, really well-made movie, too, as opposed to some Spike Lee movies that kind of go up and down with the storytelling and the themes. This one kind of just has a very simple plot, and it allows for a lot more just kind of linear, forward-thinking kind of discussions of ideology and perspective. Awesome, man. So... Go guy, go guys, go and check that film. I'm gonna be checking it out. Uh, we don't act like we ain't got time, guys. We got time to watch these movies. So take take uh, RB3's advice and go check out that film. On it's also on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's also on Netflix. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And I can't wait to uh, to do the to watch the Five Bloods when it comes out because I love that trailer. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, super excited. I'm super super excited. Might just even do a review for my website. I don't know. So yeah. Uh, Guys, go ahead and check that out. And RB3, of course, there is the season two pick. We've had a lot of films be picked from Portrait of a Lady on Fire from Celine Schiama. And Mm. my co-host also picked, my co-host picked uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's Stalker. I can't wait. God. Man, I I told, I asked y'all on that, on that live stream, like when y'all going to talk fucking Tarkovsky, because I, I believe Tarkovsky is possibly the great one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. What what he was depressed as shit, but you know that yeah. was God. He's an incredible filmmaker. So uh, yeah, RB three. I want to know which is the movie you're calling dibs on for season two. Um. Well, I am going to go with another pick from another black filmmaker, um, but not Spike Lee this time. I'm actually gonna uh, talk about something a little close to home and represent um, one of my biggest direct inspirations on my entire life, RIP Mr. John Singleton. And uh, I'm probably going to pick Boys in the Hood as my pick for next season. Oh, hell yeah, man. I can't wait for that one. I, that, hell, I'm glad that you just, I'm glad that you chose John Singleton because uh, I've been waiting for somebody to pick that one too. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much, RB3. And, uh, You'll be seeing them come back for season two. And don't be surprised if I give uh, RB3 more slots in season two. So uh, I'll, I'll have yeah. him come back for more movies. But for now, we're going to, this will be the last time you'll hear from him. And you'll have, we'll have him come back in season two of The Cinema Condition. Whenever that, they'll probably be, I want to say, so we're on track, this is episode 18. So we're on track to finish by the end of summer. So we will probably come back in winter for season two. So I'll hit you up about, you know, scheduling everything to come back. But uh, we're, we're setting up for a great season in season two. And I'm having I'm, I'm so thankful that you were able to come on, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate being here. And I thank you so much. Yeah, man. You, me be here. You're a talented director. You're a talented podcaster. You're just a great content creator, man, all around. And you're uh you're great in what you do. And you have a lot of heart into it. And you're and you're a, and you're a great man. dude. You're a sweet dude. So, you know, uh, what's it called? It's what I wish a lot of us in the space were, were like on, uh, you know, I, I wish that we were all kind of like you, just sweet and just nice to each other and not, you know, complete assholes like I see online. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I'm happy that I get to hang with people uh, like you, Raul, who's just passionate and 
you know, we all believe in the same things of just, you know, working towards a, an ultimate better goal. And I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm hoping that uh, I can I can hit uh, hit you guys up on the Mean Up podcast one day. Let's go. I know you've been I know you've been planning something for me. You know, we were, you wanted to get something in in there, but let's go. Let me know whenever you want me to get on, man. I, I like I said, my my areas of expertise are always the Itali- the Italian films. <laughs> oh, okay, for sure, most definitely, man. I love those those Italian films. And uh, RV three was a uh, one of the was the only person who I went to to give to show him my uh, eight and a half film essay. So, oh, yeah, that was great. That was yeah. a great essay, man. Yeah, fucking YouTube really screwed the yeah. pooch on that. They didn't yeah, let me up- Yeah, they didn't let me upload it, but whatever. As always, uh, RB3, where can they find you on the internet, bro? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DirectorRB3. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, and sorry, um, my bad. Also on YouTube, First Cut. YouTube, First Cut. Podcast, I mean, the podcast. Guys, do yourself a favor. Please subscribe to that podcast feed. Leave them a five-star review on Apple or Stitcher or both. Do both. It would be great. And uh, go yeah. and check them out, guys. And uh, the, I, I no, this week isn't live stream week. It's next week. Um, yeah, to, next week is going to be live stream week. Yep. Yeah. I'm getting my date switched up here. But in quarantine, of course, you're like, what day is it? So yeah. uh, without further ado, it's been a lot of fun. As always, you can find me, Anthony Gigano, on both Instagram and Twitter. And... TheNerdCore.com for my written reviews of such and all the other. What's up, man? You you wanted to bring something up? Oh, no. I was just clapping. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Was, uh, what's, what's it called? Uh, I was like, oh, crap. Did RV3 forget to say something? But no, uh, no, no. Applause. Applause. All right. Thank you. Thank okay. you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. There you got on both Instagram and Twitter. NerdCore.com for reviews and, you know, recommended viewing. Uh, there's, a re- there's a page where it has all the movies that we've covered here on the on the cinema condition. Of course, I got to update it soon, but most of them are on there where you can go buy them on Amazon and stuff like that. No affiliate links. I just wanted you guys to find the movies and watch them yourselves. So uh, go over there. And as always, like I said, I don't really have a, I don't really have an outro here. I just kind of remind you guys, the cinema condition, my friends, uh, I, I named this show the cinema condition because cinema is a conversation on what makes us us, and that is the human condition. And the best way for us to become better humans is to surround us ourselves with art and with the art that, that we have created and, and centuries of our, of our people have created. So, my friends, sit down, watch a movie, and I'll go ahead and see you guys on the next one when I have nobody planned yet. Uh, I'm going to see you. I'm going to pull, pull a hat out of the uh, pull a name out of the hat. But more than likely, I, it's going to be a new guest. So we'll see you guys on the next one. But in the meantime... Um, what's it called? Well, you have a set, you have yourself a nice day.